What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Mike, and welcome to episode 58 of the Mike and Dave Podcast. We've got a lot of NBA free agency uh, deals to get to today. We're going to break a lot of those down in five different categories. Uh, We've got the usual suspects, hot seat, fun fact, etc., but before we get into any of that, going to kick it to Dave with the Off the Top. What's up, everybody? This is Dave. And yeah, my turn to come up with Off the Top prompt for this week. And this was just announced by the NBA. We've got two new rule changes coming for next season. And I wanted to get your opinion on these, Mike. I don't know if you've seen this already or not, but regardless, here we go. So first of all, there's going to be a new flopping rule change, which they've been testing in the summer league. Um, But basically what it's going to be is officials can call a flop on the court and it will result in a technical foul free throw for the opposition. And then the other change will be if the first challenge is successful by a coach, then they get another challenge after that. So it'll basically work like the NFL where they can throw the challenge flag and then they get to keep it and they don't lose a timeout if um, if they're successful. So what do you think about both of these rules? Do you like it? Do you not like it? What do you think it will impact uh, in terms of the game moving forward? It's funny. I saw these like right before we started. I looked down at my phone to turn it on silent just to be safe. And I had a notification about it. Um, so I hadn't really had a ton of time to process it. But my immediate reaction is I really like both. Uh, I think flopping has been a problem for, I would say like the past 10, 15 years, but you go back, like people romanticize the eighties and nineties. Like it was like street fights on the court and stuff. And it was very, very physical and everything. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like nobody flopped. Like, come on. Flopping has been a part of basketball and it's been an ugly part that I hate, but it has definitely gotten worse. And Whether or not this works, I appreciate that the NBA is taking a look at it and trying to come up with a solution. The key is, will the refs actually enforce it? And how much of a factor will star power play? I'm I'm just thinking about James Harden. Like, I, I know he's not the same James Harden of a few years ago, but I don't want this to be the kind of rule that like, oh... Aaron Holiday, that's a flop, so we enforce this rule. But then, like, two possessions later, James Harden does the same thing. It's not a flop because he's a superstar. You know, I I really don't want that to happen, but I love the potential of the NBA, like, getting away from flopping. Uh, Really, like, making players rely on, I mean, I'll, I'll just say it, like, rely on skill. And like being good rather than acting and being like dramatic, you know, I'd much rather um, see a defensive stop where a player blocks a layup rather than like a quote unquote defensive stop where a player like falls over and the ref just whistled it the right way or whatever. Not every player can be like LeBron and both be a basketball player and an actor. So, yeah, I mean, 
Maybe that's why he flops like... so much. <laughs> and has Space Jam too. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it's Space Jam two. It just tra- natural translation to the court. You know what it is. Um, the other one, I also like this mainly because it takes away from the whole like, okay, you think that there's a uh, a pretty bad call you think like oh if i challenge this i think i'd get it right but do i want to use this now what if something happens in the fourth quarter i feel like this provides that bit of security like okay i know that i'm right here and when i'm proven right i'll still have a challenge should i need it at the in the late game and i like that like on the other side of that though i like that it's stopping there it's not like like, can you imagine if it was like every single time you get it right, you keep your challenge? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I'm challenging. I'm going to let it fly then. The games would last be... forever. Yeah, there'd be way too many stoppages. But I did. All... I have always thought it was weird. Like, oh, he challenged it and he got it right. But it still feels like there's a consequence. You know? Yeah. Um, so I like them both. I hope they work out because like at the surface, like in theory, I really like them both of these so do i um what you said about the flopping totally agree it's an unfortunate part of the game i mean it's not the only sport where we see something similar to it um i would some people would argue i'm sure that flopping well is a skill but that honestly like that's just not as exciting and it's just not really a part of the game that we should be tolerating or accepting of so yeah, I like that. And then the coach's challenge, that's one I really like because to be honest, for a little while there, I just thought that they would have another challenge if they got it right because why wouldn't you? And then when I found out that they didn't, I was completely confused because that makes no sense to me at all. So yeah, I think it's definitely a good call, especially since the NBA puts out those like the last two minute report or whatever and how many errors do we see on that on a almost a per game basis? It's it's crazy, but at least that gives coaches an opportunity to, uh, to review them and, and challenge if they think there's a bad call. So yeah, I, I agree. I think this is a step forward for the game and I'm looking forward to seeing players getting uh, these fouls called for flopping and how that's kind of embarrassing. Um, and also, like, could potentially swing a game. You never know. So, yeah, I'm interested in seeing what it's going to look like. I mean, personally, I feel like a flop could swing the game anyway, you know? Like, you look at someone flopping within the last minute or two of the game. Whichever way that gets called could completely swing the game. I guess I'd rather it favor the guy that didn't flop over the guy that did. Mm-hmm. so cool yeah so that's like off the top on like breaking news here <laughs> so like that we'll definitely be excited to see how that plays out speaking of seeing how things play out we've got a bunch of free agent signings to talk about going into the next season so when we come back we'll be here to break down all of those all right let's get right back into it and the way that we're going to break down some of these NBA free agency signings is into five categories, like Mike mentioned earlier. So the five different categories are rookie extensions, veteran extensions, big deals with the new teams, a.k.a. a guy signed a big contract with 
a team that he was not on last season. One year prove it deals, and then one year deals where whether it's that's for the veterans minimum or a little bit more, basically old guys who are signing on with contenders. Um, and so those first three, the rookie extensions, veteran extensions, and the big deals with new teams, we're going to be grading those based on uh, the perspective of the teams because those are much bigger amounts of money. Obviously, that's great for the players. Like they're, they're getting a bunch of money. Why would they complain about that? So we're going to be grading them in terms of the team's perspective and then the one-year prove-it deals and then the one-year veteran minimum contracts we're going to be grading based on the player. So where are they going if it's a prove-it deal? Is the team that they're going to a good fit? Are they going to be able to show what they can do and um, be able to utilize that in order to get a bigger or longer contract next season? Or next offseason, I should say. Or with the veteran signing with contenders, did they pick the right contender to sign with even though it's not going to be a whole lot of money. Um, so yeah, so we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Mike, do you want to start with the rookie extensions? All right, so there are four rookie extensions that we want to talk about. For three of them, we have Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and Tyrese Halliburton. And I'm listing these three together first because they all basically have the same deal. Five-year extensions uh, worth... About $217 million, you heard me right, and these can all increase to about $260 million over that five-year span, which is bonkers. Uh, it's so crazy. Like When I first got into basketball, like max-level players were like $25, $26 million a year, and these are literally like twice that, so... Yeah, and that's not all that long ago, you know. Not to mention these but, guys are all in like they're like twenty two years old or something. It's like bless it. I hope you have some good people around you, my dude. Uh, <laughs> we did not mention John Moran. <laughs> I mean, so, oh boy. <laughs> we'll get to a different grizzly later, but I guess first we can talk about Lamelo Ball. This is not a shock. Well, none of these should be shockers, right? Like. These are all like your superstar rookies. If you're like the Timberwolves, the Pacers, and the Hornets, like you've got to re-sign these guys. You just you can't just let these guys walk away. You can't let them sign somewhere else. You know what are you gonna do? Um, so from that perspective, like I think all three of these teams have to get at least decent grades, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it kind of comes down to who you think is the best player. Um. For me, that's Anthony Edwards. I think he has the potential to be a, a top five player in the league at some point. So for me, that's an A+. plus. If you're the Timberwolves, like honestly, yeah, you have Towns, you have Gobert, but realistically you're building around Anthony Edwards and this is locking him in for the long term. So I think that's an A+. plus. Hal Burton, I'll give it an A. He seems all around like a great guy. Point guard, a guy who's going to, make everybody else around him better. We talk about that a lot on the podcast and how that's obviously a really valuable trait. Um, so yeah, I, I would say for him, probably an A. And then Lamelo, I'd probably give a B plus. I mean, it's the Hornets, so realistically you're not going to be able to attract many free agents. So of course you had to re-sign him. It's just the injury history is a little bit checkered for Lamelo. Uh, those ankles, he needs to make sure that whatever shoes he's wearing, he's got to get... He's got to get new ones. He needs some more support for those. 
but obviously when he's playing and he's on his game, he's a game changer um, and able to affect the game in a multitude of ways. So, yeah, I mean, for the for the teams that are signing these these guys to these max extensions, it's a lot of money, but that's just the NBA, and especially for these small market teams, you, you kind of have to go ahead and give these guys the maximum. Yeah, so I agree with you about the Timberwolves. Definitely give the Timberwolves an A plus for uh, the Anthony Edwards extension. I certainly would not give the Timberwolves an A plus for their roster construction. Sure, the other decisions that they've made, but that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, the Anthony Edwards extension in and of itself is an A plus. A is probably right for Tyrese Halliburton as well in my book. I think A is probably where I'd land for LaMelo as well, mainly for the reason that you allude to. It's Charlotte. They're not bringing other people in. Like, you have to keep LaMelo, not just because he's your big rookie, but because he's, like, super exciting. Like, keeping LaMelo there for five years at least means your team is at least, like, worth... Like, some people watching, it's at least worth free agents considering while while he's there this is something that i feel like relevant is too strong of a word for charlotte but comparatively speaking like to what they used to be Lamelo keeps them worth considering for free agents and for fans because he has that pull i'm just going to give them the a based on that alone okay that's fair and so the, the other rookie extension that we wanted to talk about is actually the first of its kind, and that's Desmond Bain with the Memphis Grizzlies. So with the new CBA, this is the first time where teams can extend a player off of their rookie deal and it not be a maximum. For Desmond Bain, it's five years, $197 million, which compared to the others, that's $217 million. So it's a little bit less, but I mean, with these kinds of numbers, like, What's another 30 million, you know? Um, but this is interesting for Desmond Bain because he wasn't drafted super high. Uh, he's arguably not even really like a superstar. He's he's kind of like, obviously with, with John Morant's situation, it's kind of, this comparison isn't great, but he's kind of like the clay to, Ste- to what, what clay is to Steph is what Desmond Bain is to John Morant. In a, in a way, obviously, like, in a very diet fashion. Uh, but still, I, you can kind of see where I'm coming from with their, with that comparison. So, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of tough because it is a lot of money. They obviously must really believe in him and his ability to continue to improve over time, which he has done um, from his rookie season to now. He has continually shot the ball better, taken on more responsibility as a secondary playmaker, uh, his defense is is decent as well. So I can understand it. Um, I'm curious to see how they ended up at this particular number since theoretically it could have looks like anything. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I would probably give it like a B just because he's not a superstar by any stretch of the imagination, but he, I would say he is a star player at this point and maybe he has the potential to become that superstar. It is a lot of money, though, when you already have a roster that's going to see like Jaron Jackson getting his money, that John Morant's already getting his money. 
But at the same time, I guess you could view it as kind of an insurance policy for Morant too. Like if he ends up like getting himself suspended or exiled from the league based on his off the court activity, maybe this, this means that, well, we can build around Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson now. So I don't know, maybe B, maybe B plus. What do you think? I'm stuck between C plus and B minus. Here's why. My theory for the whole giving him the five year, but for the first time ever, it not being the full max or full rookie max is this is their way of subtly or not so subtly saying, we think you're worth keeping around, but you can't, we don't think you'll be the best player on a championship team. I agree with that. I don't see, at least not in the next few years, a Grizzlies team that's competing for championships absent John Morant featuring Desmond Bain above everyone else. So it's like they've got to be counting on, like you said, uh, Bain being the clay to John Morant Steph. What happens if John Morant exiles himself from the league, which is certainly possible? <laughs> I haven't seen evidence to show me it's not going to happen. So what? Then you have Bain and Jaron Jackson. And that doesn't feel like a contender to me at all. You have to then sign someone else that can be the primary guy above Bain. And then Bain's contract complicates that quite a bit. In addition to still needing to pay Jaron Jackson Jr. It feels like this is a lot of... It feels like this is going to limit them a lot, and I don't think that the the reward, i.e. Desmond Bain, is worth the restrictions that this contract is going to create. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe Ja will come back and just play and put the guns, real or otherwise, away. Uh, maybe they'll form the best backcourt in basketball. Jaron Jackson will anchor the middle and they'll win a championship in two years. But... I see a lot of ways that this goes wrong aside from the obvious like, oh, that yeah, then he got hurt, which could happen to anybody. Sure. Okay, so I'm probably at a B or like a B minus or C plus. It sounds like you're at a C plus. <laughs> from, yeah, it does. It does, yeah, doesn't it? After you explained it. So, okay. So those are the rookie extensions. Now let's move into the veteran extension. So this is either an actual extension upon a contract or a player re-signing with the same team that they were with last season. So for we got to start first off with DeJounte Murray. Obviously, we're Hawks fans here on the Mike and Dave podcast. And I'll go ahead and say this is probably a solid A plus for the Hawks. And here's why. Number one, you traded all of those picks for DeJounte Murray. If you didn't re-sign him, then you would have done all of that for just two years of him, and that absolutely would not have been worth it. I think, yeah, the first year with Trey and DeJounte didn't work great, but I think it's still possible for them to continue to build on that backcourt chemistry and for both of them to be able to succeed, especially having a whole offseason and preseason to work with Quinn Snyder. 
So that's number one. Number two, I own a DeJounte Murray Hawks jersey. So now <laughs> I'm going to be able to wear it from multiple, multiple seasons. Um, And number three, it's what the actual money says. So DeJounte Murray ended up extending for four years, $111 million, which includes nine million in incentives and a fourth-year player option. So this is not start this upcoming season, but actually the season after, which means we have DeJounte for four years from now guaranteed with potentially a fifth year in there. And this is not, by any stretch of the imagination, an overpay. I think, if anything, it is more of a team-friendly deal, especially when we're talking about some of these huge numbers with some of these other players, which we'll get into in a minute, um, with these other veteran extensions or guys signing with new teams. I mean, four years, 111 mil, that's a lot of money. But for a guy as good as DeJounte, I mean, under 30 million a year for him is not bad at all, especially considering this current market. So I think if you're a Hawks fan and if you're the Hawks in general, you have to be really, really excited about this move. And it also looking back to that John Collins trade, it makes it it makes that trade grade go up a lot higher, in my opinion, because you were able to get this deal done and save some theoretical money. Um, like DeJounte definitely left some money on the table uh, that he could have gotten next offseason that he instead chose to commit to the Hawks. You don't always see that. So as a Hawks fan, I'm giving it an A plus. As the Hawks, I'm giving it an A plus as well. If you want my opinion, just rewind and listen to Dave again. Literally, like, <laughs> I had thoughts, and then Dave said all of them. So, moving on. I mean, like, literally, like, right down to the... I have the same jersey, you know? <laughs> uh, I get... Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe I'll, like, give a little teaser for what's to come. I guess I'll just spoil one name, and that, that way I can say I contributed something. Uh, we'll talk about Fred Van Vliet later. But that man got some fat stacks on his table uh, this summer. The fact that DeJounte is making, like, I would say considerably less than him. Uh, And I would also, I also look at DeJounte as being considerably better. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. steal? I mean, yeah, an A-plus all the way around. And, And like you said, the Hawks look like damn idiots if they don't get this done. It's basically like... Do you re-sign DeJounte? It's an A or an F, but the the team-friendly nature of the deal makes it an A+. Also, I just wanted to say one thing real quick. Fun story. If you're wondering why Mike and I have the same DeJounte Murray jersey, we actually went to the Hawks game as part of my bachelor party weekend, and DeJounte went off for like 40-something points in that game, and we were like, yeah, we, we got a buy this DeJounte Murray jersey after the game. Like, there's no other option. We have to do it. True. All right, next on the list, we have Kyrie Irving. Wait, I I feel like I said his name weirdly. Next on the list, we have Kyrie Irving. So he extends with the Mavericks. And I'm going to say something similar to what we said with DeJounte, and that's that Dallas had to. They they freaking had to re-sign him. If, If Dallas trades for Kyrie Irving gets like part of a season for him and then doesn't re-sign him. They look like absolute fools. And 
So, you know, it is what it is. I guess that gets them an A. I, but I'm also like, it's Kyrie. And part of his deal, a relatively small part of his deal, mind you, is linked to team performance and games played. I wish that the Mavericks had like made a much bigger percentage of his contract that I think that would have been hilarious. I would have loved so much to see like a Woj bomb that comes out. That's like, Oh yeah. Kyrie Irving three year, $126 million deal, 124 million tied to games played. Like if you don't think that I would be on the floor, like pissing myself at that, Unfortunately, it's not, and so it remains that they've guaranteed a ton of money to one of the least reliable uh, players in the NBA, not in terms of skill, but in terms of presence. Uh, That's tough, but like I said, they had to. They had to re-sign him to avoid looking stupid. I'm going to give them an A- on this one, Um, teetering on B+, but we'll we'll go on A-. Uh, because they they literally had to they didn't have a choice in re-signing him yeah and he probably had too much leverage based on that fact to have that much money tied to any sort of incentive Mm -hmm. so you can pretty much compare it's not exactly the same but it's similar to what we just talked about with Dejounte and the hawks where they gave up a lot and you basically have to re-sign him the difference is that the hawks got a reliable player for probably less than market value and the Mavericks are paying Kyrie 42 million a year and he's still not reliable. So for me, I have to give it a B minus. I think obviously he's a great player. Is he a great fit with Luca? Uh, who knows? Um, we'll see a lot more of what that pairing looks like next season, but you're not really getting too much defense from either of those guys. So <laughs> At least with even like with Trey and DeJounte, like one out of the two is a plus defender. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's definitely a big part of it. So, yeah, I think a B minus for me from the Mavericks because they put themselves in that position and then they had to pay up. But it's I wouldn't necessarily love doing that for that particular player. Um, now, moving on, the guy who actually got the most money in free agency this offseason. Jeremy Grant signs a five-year, $160 million deal with the Trailblazers. Only for Damian Lillard to then request a trade. It was kind of ironic that apparently, according to the rumors, Lillard waited to see what the Trailblazers would do in free agency. They splashed the cash on Jeremy Grant. That's obviously not what Damian Lillard had in mind for them improving the roster <laughs> because he's like 160 mil for Jeremy. Oh, that's, that's that. This is the last straw. I am out of here, bro. Get me out of freaking Portland. And um, yeah, so I think in terms of the, the trailblazers is we're grading for the team. I mean, this has to be a C for me. Like, you, you end up losing Damian Lillard. You pour a whole bunch of money. You're, you're getting Damian Lillard's contracts off the books, theoretically, right? Now you have to pay Jeremy Grant an average of 32 mil a year. 
that same point that you were making about the Grizzlies, if John Morant ends up playing, or, you know, not playing, but getting himself out of the league and having to bring somebody else in to be the number one guy, like Jeremy Grant is not going to be that. We saw him in Detroit put up empty calories on a terrible team. It seems like he'll probably just be doing the same thing again with the Trailblazers, depending on the results of the, the Lillard trade. So I don't really like this move at all. Jeremy Grant's a fine player, but unless they really think that they're going to be able to get solid pieces that can get them to contend now, I don't really see why you would make this move unless it was to try to keep Damian Lillard, which it looks like they are not going to be able to do. So for me, it's got to be a C, maybe even a C minus. Okay, so call me shocked here. I did not expect like a C or C minus from you. So I need you to do me a favor. Uh, I'm going to ask you to say something positive about the Jeremy Grant signing for Portland. Um, he could be a good trade chip. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the reason I said that is my grade is an F. I don't think I've given an F out on the Mike and Dave podcast. Uh, maybe for like a random draft pick or something. Did we grade a Carson Wentz signing? <laughs> I feel like it was probably just implied that that was an F <laughs> from you. Well, let me leave nothing to interpretation. F for the Jeremy Grant signing. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of this is just kind of responding to stuff you said or like reiterating it a bit, but if you're Portland, are you thinking like, oh, let's show Dame that we want to like build a contender around him and like compete now? Uh, Jeremy Grant, no shade, question mark, but he's not that guy. Uh, I don't think he fits with Lillard in that way and su- like in such a way that they would contend for a championship other than the fact that Damian Lillard is that guy. Like, you can say that about a ton of players in the NBA. Oh, if you put them with Lillard, they have a chance. Yeah, because it's a Lillard. Okay, so that's a lot of money for someone that's not worth the money. And clearly that didn't convince Dame of anything other than, like you said, get me the hell out of here. It showed that it showed Dame that they are not either. It showed Dame that they are either not capable or not interested in building a team around him that can compete right away. So you dri- you drive Damian Lillard out of town. Jeremy Grant's not going to be the star of a team that aspires toward any sort of postseason success. So you're throwing money at him for nothing, basically, in terms of like championship aspirations. And he's not even the best guy to pair with Scoot. <laughs> like, if if their whole idea was like, okay, we accept that we're going to have to trade Damian Lillard before they sign. Jeremy Grant, and we're just going to build around Scoot Henderson. You could find much better complementary pieces and veterans at that that would that can mentor him and fit with his play style on the court that aren't Jeremy Grant. That like multiple players for that price. Like I don't really see a good thing about this trade, and then or sorry, I don't really see a good thing about this extension, other than like you said, they could trade him. You know, like. And and even then, that's a big contract to unload. When they trade him, they'll probably have to include a first round pick or two. <laughs> like 
I hate this signing. Yeah. I mean, I guess I love it because they prevented the Hawks from signing him. But <laughs> Yeah. Um, now that you said all that, I think I'm going to have to lower my grade a, a, a tad to probably D plus. I don't think it's like he's still a good player. So I can't, it would be one thing if they gave all this money to somebody who's just absolutely terrible or just super average, but yeah, but I I feel that D D plus is where I'll go. I, I don't think I could do an F, but I can understand your reasoning behind it. Cause yeah, it's, it's a pretty bad look for Portland. Now moving on, uh, kind of quickly through these last couple, um, we had Chris Middleton, Resigning with the Bucks, three years, ninety-three million, so that's thirty-one mil a year. Obviously, coming off an injury-riddled season, but was a, a big part of their championship. Um, and honestly, he's been a big part of that organization for, for quite a long time. It would be kind of weird to see him on another team, so I'm not surprised that they resigned him. But that's still kind of a lot of money, and he's coming off of that injury. He's also about he'll be thirty-two or a little above, I think, when the season starts. So you're paying him for his 32 to 35 seasons. Uh, I don't, I don't know about that necessarily. I mean, I'm still probably going to give it a B because Chris Milton, when he's healthy, is a solid player. We know that it can work. They've won a championship already with him, but it's still, I think there, there is that injury risk that always gives me hesitation with these big contracts. And, you know, is he the the best guy to try to extend this championship window that they have? So there is the the risk that comes with the injury. Overall, I do like this extension. I would like it a little more if it were a little less money devoted to a guy coming off that injury and who has dealt with injuries before this past one. But when when last we saw him in that playoff series against the Heat, he looked good in that series for the most part. A uh, couple of bad shots here and there, but like overall, good player. And like you said, they have won with Giannis and Chris Milton. It's not like this is some... Uh, I mean, really, when we look at all these other contracts that we've talked about so far, none of these teams have won championships until we get down to the Bucks with Chris Middleton. And now we stop talking about oh, we're extending him to see if this can ever work and start talking about we extend him to see if we can do it again. For that reason, I like this a bit. Uh, they're trying to capitalize on something that has already worked, like recapture the lightning in a bottle, I guess. And for that reason, I think I'm going to go B+. Wish it wasn't as much money, guaranteed, but I do overall like it. For sure. Okay, we've got two more guys in this category and then we're going to move on to the next one um we've got debonta sabonis and kyle kuzma so these two guys are kind of in opposite spaces right now sabonis re-signing with uh the kings after a really really solid first well first full season there uh four years 175 million um including incentives and that extension starts just like dejounte's not this upcoming season, but the following season. Uh, obviously, Sabonis, really, really solid player. Kind of that missing piece is what it seems like for that roster. Um, consolidating and building around him and De'Aaron Fox. 
So I really like that one. I'm going to give that one an A. And then Kyle Kuzma, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. I was honestly shocked when he re-signed with the Wizards because all the rumors coming out had been, you know, Kuzma is just playing out his his last season in Washington. He's going to sign somewhere else for, you know, for big money or whatever. The contract he ended up signing is a lot of money, but honestly, like, I don't think it's that unreasonable, especially for a team like the Wizards. They're paying him $90 million over four years, which is $22.5 million average salary. And that's not horrible in today's market, especially for a team like the Wizards, who just you know lost Bradley Beal. They traded for Jordan Poole in a very interesting trade. Now, Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma, that is going to be very interesting to watch. I have no idea if it's going to be any good. But it certainly is very interesting and gives Washington fans of, I'm I'm sure they're out there uh, somewhere. Um, <laughs> it gives them something to be excited about because both of these guys, when they're on, are very skilled offensive players. So, you know, Kuzma, I'll give this one probably a B um, just because I didn't even think that they would be able to resign him really. And this kind of gives them something to to work off of. I mean, it's not like the Wizards are really going to compete anytime soon, but this contract is not massive enough to where I think it would be a hindrance or a a big problem in terms of potentially trying to sign another free agent or, you know, I don't think they're also good enough to where they're going to start contending. And I think they'll still be in contention for a lottery pick. And then maybe they can get lucky and, um, and get a high draft pick and build around these guys in the future. So you said A for the Sabonis deal, and then what did you say for the Kuzma deal? Probably a, a B, maybe okay. maybe B minus. Okay, so Sabonis, I really don't have like anything to add. Um, they did a good job building that team up last year. Really impressed with what the Kings did. Capitalize on that. Bring Sabonis back. Keep building. A. Cool. Um, moving on to Kuzma. Unlike the Jeremy Grant one, I'm actually a little higher on this than you. Um, but basically for the same reasons, I think I just kind of weigh it a little more heavily. Um, I like that... Okay. So, yeah, around $22.5 million in today's NBA, like you said, is really not bad uh, for a player of Kuzma's caliber. Now, one thing they could do is have him for those like four years and just have fun. Like, I feel like the Wizards are going to be a funny team <laughs> this year. I'm, I mean, looking at Jordan Poole and Kuzma, like some fun highlights should come out of that. And their personalities are such that they'll probably provide some on and off court comedy here and there as well. Um, so I like that. Uh, keep them at least moderately interesting for fans or whatever. Should any still exist. Um, it's not really going to get in the way of anything you want to do if you're Washington. It's not going to stop you from being in the lottery. <laughs> like Kuzma is not going to take you to the playoffs. Uh, certainly not like a high-seeded one, right? Uh, and frankly, I don't know that Jordan Poole is going to either. So you'll still sell tickets. You'll still be in the lottery. And on that deal, whenever a team decides that they are a Kuzma away from really competing, 
which is a very realistic scenario come uh, trade seasons, Kuzma is on a very movable deal. Like that's a, a useful asset that they can trade to a, a pseudo contender and bring back heavy assets on. And they like risk nothing to re-sign him to do that. Like <laughs> I I really don't see much downside, especially like you said, not many people were expecting him to go back to Washington. Like they avoided or they dodged the bullet of him walking away for nothing and kept what can end up being a pretty valuable asset that probably won't hurt them in the long run. So I'm going to give the Wizards an A for this one as well. Okay, fair enough. And and I'm going to do that with the caveat that like I don't think that Kuzma makes the Wizards a good team, but that this signing maintains a valuable asset for them. Sure. Like the, the A for Sabonis is different than the A for Kuzma. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, awesome. Well, that takes us to our next category, which is guys that have signed um, new big contracts with teams that they were not on last season. So we're going to start with a couple of guys who signed with the Houston Rockets. Mike uh, alluded to this earlier. Fred Van Fleet signing with Houston on a somewhat bonkers three-year, $128.5 million deal, which basically the average salary is a little under $43 mil a year. So he's getting paid more than Kyrie. That in and of itself, I don't care how what you think about Fred Van Vliet. He's not as nearly he's not nearly as good of a basketball player as Kyrie is. Even if he's dependable, like you cannot be paying Fred Van Vliet more money than Kyrie Irving. Like in no world can that be possible. Um now the Rockets is it's one of those things they had a whole bunch of cap space to use. So like I guess I can see it. It's kind of like, why Fred Van Vliet, though? Why why him? You already had Jalen Green. You just drafted Amen Thompson. Like, what made you think, oh, yeah, let me go out and get another guard? That was kind of confusing. And then we get to Dylan Brooks. Huh, this freaking guy. Obviously, one of the most disliked players in the NBA and controversial ones. He ends up getting a big deal from the Rockets as well. Four years, 86 million, which is 21 and a half mil per year. That basically says that he is a star player. And I'm sorry, Dylan Brooks is a role player. And when I say role player, the role that he plays is not worth over 20 million a year in any stretch of the imagination. I don't care how much cap space you have. You don't spend it in this particular way. I don't think that Dylan Brooks is necessarily going to make your team worse necessarily. He's probably one of those guys that you like having on your team, but 21 and a half million a year, Houston, we've got a problem. Uh This makes no sense. Um, I feel like I've been giving my grades out first, so I'm going to pass it over to you, Mike. I'm going to let you give your grades and then I'll give mine just so we can switch it up a little bit. But that kind of teased you up. Dog, I'm befuddled. So Houston, like I'm confused. Like you have these these young players that you want to build around. Amon Thompson, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, and the like. And 
the Fred Van Vliet one, I'm just going to go go ahead and say like that one just confuses me all the way around. Like that's a crap ton of money for a guy that's not worth a quote crap ton of money. Like Fred Van Vliet deserves to be paid and he deserves to be on well, a quality roster. <laughs> uh, I don't know what his function is here other than like providing veteran leadership and like taking the pressure off these young guys. Even so, that's still a lot of money to get him or to pay him to do that. Maybe they had to pay him that much to get him to come to Houston instead of like taking a pay cut to go to a better team. And they really just wanted that veteran presence. And Fred Van Vliet is a good guy, you know? So like, eh. and like, like what we were saying with Washington, excuse me, like what we were saying with Washington, it's not like shelling out a shit ton of money on Fred Van Vliet is going to make the Rockets go, ah, crap, like it's been two years and we could really compete right now if it weren't for this deal holding us back. So like, I'm not too mad about it. It was just kind of shocking. But with the assumption that it's to bring in veteran leadership as a a mentor to these younger guys, but that can still contribute at a pretty high level. I'm going to give the Fred Van Vliet one an A minus. It's an insane amount of money, but like, it's not going to hurt them. Like, what are they going to do with that money? Otherwise, you know, maybe B plus I'll go B plus for Fred Van Vliet. Um, because I, I can't full, I can't put an A at any level on that contract, but I'll go B plus for it. Dylan Brooks, so you know how I was talking Fred Van Vliet? He's a good guy, veteran presence, leadership, all that. Uh, Dylan Brooks, is that the role model you want in front of these other guys? Like, there's a reason this dude's like the most hated guy in basketball. It's because he's an asshole. <laughs> like, Maybe they're going to try doing like good cop, bad cop or something. <laughs> and that's, they're like, who's like the most stand-up guy who's also good that we that's available? Oh, it's probably Fred Van Vliet. Okay, who's the worst one that's available? Oh, it's Dylan Brooks for sure. Eh, let's just throw a bunch of money at him and let's <laughs> let's see if that works. What's the worst that could happen? I so I have been reading up on and listening to several former NBA players' takes on Dylan Brooks, not just like specifically signing with the Rockets, but like in general over the past few months. And a lot of former players have good things to say about Dylan Brooks. Like, you know, fans don't like him, but in an NBA roster, like, or in an NBA locker room, he's the kind of guy you want on your team. I, I don't have the experience to say, like, speak to that. You know, I, I wish I did. I wish I could say it, that I was in the NBA. Um, if that's true, cool. Like, if that's the case and we get to see some like positive effects from that, then I'll come back and retroactively grade this higher. All I know is that Dylan Brooks was on Memphis. He was the most hated player on what ended up being like the most hated team. People hate the Grizzlies because they were all assholes pretty much. And Steven Adams, Desmond Bain's not that bad, but Dylan Brooks is like the head douchebag on that team. Like, I feel like if you're the Rockets, you want to increase likability, not decrease it. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go C on this one, as in we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm lower on both of these than you. 
I just I th- I think that Fred Van Vliet is just not the guy that you need to bring in if you're the Rockets specifically. I don't necessarily think that signing Fred Van Vliet in general is a bad idea, but you've got all these young guards. You're taking away this playing time. You, if you're you're bringing in Fred Van Vliet, he's got to play like 33, 35 minutes a game at this level of contract. So what are you going to do? Is Amin Thompson going to play the next three years off the bench? Because you're, you're not going to be able to bench Jalen Green at this point. Like, in my mind, you have all these young guys. You bring in veterans like, we're not going to talk about this in general, but like Jeff Green, he signed with the Rockets on like $8 million a year or something. That is the kind of sign that I can get behind for the Rockets. You bring in a guy who has won a championship, who just came off of winning a championship. He's He can still contribute in a, in a bit, uh, I mean, a bit part role. But he's not going to command a whole lot of minutes, and he's going to be a really good mentor for these guys. Fred Van Vliet is like, yeah, kind of the same things about him, but you're paying him way more money, and he's going to take up valuable minutes on a team that's not going to contend right now. So for me, it's a C. Like, I don't I don't understand the the logic behind it. And then for Dylan Brooks, it's a D. Because, honestly, I could care less about the likability of him. Like, whatever. Um, it's, it's It's a slight negative, in my opinion. What I don't understand is the money and the amount of years. Four years, $21.5 million for for a guy who like even if he if he's an above average defender has absolutely horrible shot selection on a team that where everybody already has terrible shot selection <laughs> like what i mean i don't understand this at all do you do you really think that Dylan Brooks now that he's going to a team where they have less established players is really going to be like oh now i'm going to clean up my act and i'm only going to take open three pointers and I'm going to be able to to drive and dish out to the open guy in the corner. Like, I don't see that happening. So I don't really understand. For me, these these signings are just taking away valuable minutes of young players that the Rockets already have on their roster. And that's the last thing that you need because these guys are not going to push you over the edge. I don't care that you've sucked for the last three years. Like, okay, maybe you go, you go from winning 20-something games to 30-something games. Like... Woo freaking who! You're still going to be drafting the top ten again, so I don't I don't really understand it. That's not really how I would run an organization. But to be fair, I'm just a, you know I'm not in the NBA or whatever. But from my opinion, looking on and on the outside, it doesn't make any sense. And I didn't really know that I I felt that strongly until I started talking, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is stupid. I don't understand this at all. It's like okay, Dave, go off. Um. Okay. Well, now let's kind of talk about something that's a little nicer. Um, so we did talk about Fred Van Vliet. And one thing I do want to mention real quick is this is by far the biggest contract an undrafted free agent has ever gotten. Um, or a guy who was originally undrafted has gotten as a free agent. Well, we have two more guys who also signed pretty big contracts um, who were also undrafted. 
Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, obviously both were on the, the that Miami Heat team that went to the finals this past season. They both signed um, fairly big extensions, especially for guys who would who were undrafted. Um, Max Struess went to Cleveland, and Gabe Vincent went to the Lakers. Mike, what are your thoughts on these two guys, where they ended up, and um, how much money they got? So it's tough because after seeing their development in Miami, like part of me did want them to just kind of be able to stay there. I know that that like doesn't make sense financially, but just to see them grow, like not in a patronizing way, but like grow up in front of us. Right. I would have loved to see that team like stay together in that way, but ton of respect for them being able to put in the work develop and get those big contracts so with gabe vincent's contract three year 33 million which is it's literally seventy five thousand dollars less than matisse thibel's getting uh in portland you know we like matisse thibel on this podcast um that's a good team-friendly deal and I definitely like what he brings to the Lakers. So I'm going to give the Gabe Vincent one B plus. As for Max Struess, looking at that four-year, $62 million, I'm probably at B for Max Struess on that four-year, $62 million. I It might be a, a little bit more money um, than I would have given him. Um, did have some rough moments in the playoffs. That was kind of tough to see. Um, but he also had plenty of good moments as well. Uh, if you're Cleveland, you're trying to make that next step up, um, build on, like they've done a good job of building up a young core and adding Max Struess to that is a positive. Um, I don't think that it really takes away from any major signing they were about to do. And it's still not too big of a contract that they can, or that would prevent them from trading them down the line should they need to. Uh, probably go B minus on Max Drews. Okay. Yeah, I think the Gabe Vincent one, I'm going to give an A minus because the money is right and the fit is right. And yeah, I think the Lakers, they needed that backup point guard or even a guy who could start, to be honest, depending on how they wanted to. They'll probably start wrestling Reeves, so probably not start. But coming off the bench as your point guard, I like Gabe Benson, especially at that price tag. And then for Max Drews, I'll probably give it a B. I mean, it's a solid upgrade to the Cavs uh, bench. He'll be a good three-point shooter for them. They really struggled in that department last year. Um, It also means that they could potentially have a little bit of a smaller lineup. Instead of playing Mobley and Allen, they could just play one of them, insert Struess at one of you know the two. Maybe have Mitchell at the three, depending on who they're they're playing. Although that's kind of a stretch. Um, potentially play a little bit smaller. It just gives them more more options and more shooting, more spacing, which I think makes sense. So, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give it a B for Max Struess. And with that, that takes it to our one year deals. We were just speaking about the Lakers. So they're bringing on Jackson Hayes and Cam Reddish on one-year prove-it deals. And I think that makes a lot of sense for the Lakers. Jackson Hayes is a guy who is 
really bouncy, can protect the rim, and gives you more upside than, you know, some of these other, like, older centers that you might be signing for a similar amount of money. So I think that makes sense. Cam Reddish, I mean, it's crazy. I think this is his fifth team, fourth team, since he got drafted, which is kind of crazy because a lot, I, I, you know, I think... Um, is it <clears throat> okay so the nba puts on a poll after you know everybody gets drafted and they they ask the players who they think is the like the you know the most likely to succeed or whatever they have a bunch of different questions I remember cam reddish is the one that they said would would go on to have like the best career or something that has not panned out so far <laughs> uh, to say the least but He's still young. I mean, he's still got a lot of potential. So I, I'm not mad at this for Cam Reddish because he's going to be able to play on a contending team and play a, a role for them. I mean, he's only 24, almost 24 years old. 2.3 million. It, honestly, like it's kind of sad uh, because he was he was making more money on his rookie contract, I feel like, than this. So, like, on one hand, you could be like, dude, what what went wrong? On the other hand, it gives him a good opportunity to also learn under LeBron, too, which counts for something. So, um, for Jackson Hayes, I'll give this one a B plus, probably. I think it he has a chance to make a name for himself on the Lakers. Oh, maybe an A-, minus actually. And then Cam Reddish, probably the same a minus yeah i was hanging out around a for both of them uh cam reddish because like you said he has to be below lebron and what better city to put the lights on you to have a hopefully career revitalization than in la uh the spotlight is going to be there and if you can play up to it you're going to make some money in two years so the latter of those two reasons same for jackson hayes also, Jackson Hayes, it's not like Anthony Davis is going to eat up all of your minutes. You already know he's going to miss a crap ton of time. <laughs> so you're you're guaranteed a decent amount of playing time in theory. Like as long as you continue to perform, like the minutes will be there for you. Um, you're playing with LeBron. He's going to find you. So, yeah, I'd probably go A to A minus on both of these as well. Cool. So... I'm going to tee up the, the next one for you. So a guy who was just on the Lakers, who's now moving to a different team on a prove-it deal, Lonnie Walker. He had that really good game in the playoffs, um, but now he's going on his way to Brooklyn on a one-year contract. Brooklyn is also signing Dennis Smith Jr. on a one-year contract as well. What do you think about those two signings um, in Brooklyn? Did they make the right choice? Also going to big cities. Um, however, like Brooklyn, not the competitor that LA is. Um, I think Lonnie Walker especially should get a decent role here. Dennis Smith always feels older to me than he really is. Like when I saw that he was 25 years old today, I was like, dang, really? Like it feels like he's been in the NBA longer. Probably because he's been resigned to a backup role for so long. But... Both of these guys do have an opportunity 
to show what they can do uh, in bigger roles than they were previously given. Uh, Lonnie Walker especially can build off of that. Like, like we're talking about recency here. Like when last seen, he was balling in the playoffs. Like he has a chance to capitalize on that momentum. So looking at Brooklyn's roster, not a whole lot in um, on that team in terms of like interference with these two guys playing time. I mean, the, especially not with Ben Simmons, right? But you have McCall Bridges who will play well with anybody. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, it's not like we're talking about Dennis Smith Jr. showing up and being the starting point guard from day one and just balling out of out of like balling out of belief. But both of these guys should have pretty carved out reserve roles on this team right away. I don't like them as much as I like the LA signings, but I'll give them both solid B pluses. I feel like they're in similar, but maybe I'll give Lonnie Walker the A minus um, and Dennis Smith Jr. the B plus. Okay. I'm going to go B plus for both of them. The issue that I have is that the Nets already have a guy that would fulfill that Lonnie Walker role in Cam Thomas. So for me, I'm like, how many minutes are either of them going to get? They're kind of fighting for that same role of like microwave scorer off the bench. And then Dennis Smith, like, yeah, maybe he could play, but to be honest, I just, I think for him, it's just kind of whatever. I'll just take whatever I can get at this point. I'll just give him a B plus too. Um, cool. So that leaves Malik Beasley signing with the Bucks and Mo Bamba signing with the Sixers. Now, out of these two, I probably prefer Mo Bamba to the Sixers a little bit more. Kind of that same point you you mentioned about Jackson Hayes in in Los Angeles. Embiid's probably going to miss some ga- some time this season. Mo Bamba can step in. Uh, they did re-sign Montrez Harrell, but I think Mo Bamba, I, again, we, we talked about being able to be mentored by somebody. Embiid is a great guy to learn from, um, and you'll probably get some playing time there. So I like that. And then Malik Beasley, Milwaukee needs some scoring punch off the bench, and Malik Beasley can provide that. Um, both of these teams are going to be two of the best in the Eastern Conference once again next season. So it also gives them a chance to perform in higher level or higher leverage games and learn from players that have won in the past. So to be honest, I'm going to give probably, I'll probably give both of them a, a B plus again. I definitely agree with the B plus for Malik Beasley. I, with Mo Bamba. So we, Labeled this tier prove it years. I feel like every year is a prove it year for Mo Bamba. Like, like every year I'm watching him. Like, is this the year that you like go off or, you know, um, I like the guys above him in Philly. Uh, I don't know how much playing time he's gonna get. Uh, like given that Paul Reed extension, which we haven't really talked about, but whatever. Um. Given that, given M- Embiid's MVP caliber style, uh, I and you know my questions about Bamba's ability to pair with either of them, like I have my concerns about his playing time. Uh, I also have my concerns about if it'll ever materialize. 
I'm going to go a little lower on Bomba, probably B minus, but I'm going to stick with the B plus for Beasley. B plus Lee. Sure. We'll let it slide. Um, okay. So we finally hit our last category, which is these one-year veteran minimum or close to it contracts. We were just talking about the Sixers. Patrick Beverly signing with the Sixers on a one-year deal. I got to be honest. This seems like a match made in heaven. Patrick Beverly, th- that annoying um, in-your-face style that he plays as a defender. I feel like the Sixers and Sixers fans are going to eat that up. They're going to love that. They, you know, I think he fits with what they're trying to do. He'll have a role off the bench. To me, this is an A. Um, I Yeah, I think that it makes a lot of sense for for both, honestly, for both the player and the team. Agreed. Um, I love what, <laughs> I mean, Pat Beverly is like the kind of guy that like, if he's on your team, you really like him. If he's not, he's an irritant. But heck, Philly could use another one of those guys. So yeah, hand and glove fit, A, a grade for it. If not A plus, like insofar as a deal like this can get an A plus, shoot, why not? Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about A pluses. The next, uh, the next sign we're going to talk about is an A plus for me, and that's Derek Rose to the Grizzlies. It makes all the sense in the world. You get a guy, a former MVP, to mentor John Morant, do his freaking best. Um, you know, he's a Memphis guy as well. He played college there. Kind of like that homecoming type of thing. He can still provide you some decent minutes off the bench as well. And it's not a whole lot of money. For me, it's a win all the way around for the Grizzlies. It's got to be an A+. plus. Yeah. Um, slide into the starting lineup when John Morant is away. <laughs> is how we're going to word that. And come right off the bench when John Morant comes back. And dear God, let him like mentor John Morant, uh, teach him a thing or two about life. Uh, if that is like a, uh, if that is a consequence of this deal that John Morant gets his act straight through uh, Derek Rose's veteran leadership, then even more of an A plus, A plus plus, A plus with stickers on it. <laughs> you know? um, get a gold star. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about another point guard, Corey Joseph. Um, Corey Joseph doing a bit of celebrating after leaving Detroit, the wasteland that it is, and he gets to go to Golden State. And form the oldest backcourt room in NBA history. Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Corey Joseph, Clay Thompson. Holy cow. Um, he's not he shouldn't be asked to do too much. Um and when he when he is asked to perform, he should be fresh. Um, and he has the veteran experience to provide that leadership off the bench, like I don't know how much Golden State needs him other than like resting these old guards. Um, but for Corey Joseph, it's pretty easy work. 
and um, as far as like being in the NBA goes, and you have a pretty good shot at getting a ring. So, A. Yeah, I think it's got to be an A, especially considering he came from the Pistons <laughs> and ended up with the Warriors. That's an upgrade if I've ever seen one in terms of you're 32 years old. You still will probably be able to play a few minutes a game and, you know, you have a chance at a ring. So, yeah, I think I agree. That's another A. And then to round all this out, and to be honest, where's, I don't know if you're going to give this a good grade or not. For me, we're just, we're just handing out A's and A pluses here because Robin Lopez has signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. And there's one main reason why this has to be an A plus for me is that he gets to play with his twin brother. They're nearing the, the end of their careers. And the fact like I'm a twin myself, I have a twin sister and you know, it's just one of those like heartwarming things. Like the Lopez brothers will be back. They'll they're playing on a contender. You know, they have different games for sure. Robin Lopez coming off the bench is a decent option, even at this point in his career. And it's just great vibes. So I'm all for it. I think it's another A, maybe even A plus because of the the twin connection. Hey, I'm with it. Um, Robin Lopez is a good, like, it seems like every team he's been on, guys praise him as a locker room presence. uh, And that probably just gets amplified by the fact that he'll be playing with his twin brother. I... It's not like he's going to be commanding a mess of minutes or whatever. So, like, the fit works out as well. Yeah, A-plus for me, too. Yeah, we like these deals. For sure. And, you know, with the one-year deals, whether that's a prove-it deal or, you know, you're at the end of your career, you're signing on with a contender, it's hard for it to not be a B to to an A just because there's not that much risk involved and there's a lot of reward involved. So, you know, shout out to all these guys getting these contracts, whether that's these one-year deals or any of the rest of the guys that have signed, um, whether or not we agreed or disagreed um, with that (laughs) signing. At the end of the day, these players are getting paid. um, So respect to them. And it has been an interesting offseason. That will, of course, continue when we see this fall out of the Damian Lillard trade. And there are some other dominoes that I'm sure will will drop as well as it's the NBA offseason. Things are more things are going to happen. It's just the way that it is. But that wraps up this segment. When we come back, we're going to get into the hot seat. All right, we're back, and it's time to put someone on the hot seat for this episode. And this time, we're looking at Jerry West. So, a lot of people look at Jerry West as one of the fiercest competitors in NBA history. That that lot of people includes Jerry West himself, mm-hmm. as he has um, this week come out and said, uh, you know, talking about how people say, oh, he has that dog in him or whatever. Oh, he's a dog, you know, talking about these guys that just get drafted or whatever and have that competitive spirit. And Jerry West has delivered maybe the quote of the year so far, if not one of them. And that's, I was a wolf. I used to eat dogs. 
That's amazing. Like, I love this quote. Basically, like, yeah, plenty of guys are competitors, but I'm like the highest echelon of that, and none of these guys are at that level. Like, love it. Absolutely love it. I'm waiting now for like someone else to come out, like a current player, and be like, I'm a wolf. Watch, it's gonna be it's gonna be Carl Anthony Towns, and we're gonna have to get on and be like, dude, you're not. So here's my question. We on a previous episode, I can't remember which one it was, went through our top five shooting guards of all time. And I had Jerry West in my top five, and you did not. Does this quote make you rethink your that decision? <laughs> No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I I will say it's not like I think that he's like not in the conversation or anything, you know. I think I had him at like six. So um to me it's just like this is all true. He was fiercely competitive, but it's not like competitiveness alone that's gonna be like, oh, you are better than I thought. I don't know. If I play Monopoly and I'm like really, really competitive and really want to beat everyone and own all the properties and whatever, but I'm landing on all the wrong spaces or whatever, like it doesn't mean I'm suddenly going to win Monopoly just because I was really interested in winning it. Sure. Probably the dumbest analogy <laughs> that I've presented. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> It worked for me. Okay. Good enough for me. Moving on. Okay. I'm glad it I'm glad that it worked for you. Did you have anything else do you, do you want to add or do you want to transition to the fun fact? Let's let's keep on transitioning. Okay. Yeah, you know what? It did work for me. Speaking of things that'll work for me. Dave's fun fact. What is it this time? Well, that's Hopefully this fun fact will live up to that high praise. Um, oh, yeah, it'll work. <laughs> okay. So today's fun fact. I was having a conversation with a friend who used to work in the public library system. Um, and while there were plenty of interesting stories that came out of that, y'all, you would not freaking even imagine the things that go down your local library like it is insane um but that's for another time it got me thinking huh. hmm i wonder what the longest overdue book at a library was how long did it take somebody to actually finally return said book well i looked out because literally this same month in July 2023, there's a guy named Stuart Pline who is a curator at the West Virginia University Library System. He was looking at a box of donated books and he discovered one called An Elementary Treatise on Electricity by a, a Scottish physicist. It had been checked out of the New Bedford, Massachusetts Public Library on February 14th, Valentine's Day, randomly, 1904. However, 
It did not have a stamp indicating it had been officially taken out of circulation, which meant that this book was more than 119 years overdue. So what does Stuart Pline do? Well, as any rare books curator should, he contacted the library and returned it. <laughs> what is unclear is whether he was responsible for the $2 late fee. Which I was like, seriously? I mean, on one hand, it's almost like so long that it's just comical. Like, yeah, you're not actually going to charge this guy. Plus, it was not his book to begin with. But like, what really would have been, would have made the story for me is like, especially because of inflation, of how, you know, whatever that late fee would have been back in the day. It is like... <laughs> You owe $52,327 or something. Um, but no, it was apparently just a $2 late fee. So 119 years. Um, so basically, moral of the story, folks, if you forget to take back your book, just give it to your great-grandkids whenever you get to that point and have them donate to a local library. and It'll end up back in circulation. It's fine. And you'll never have to pay the fee. I don't think that's actually how it works. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but, Bad advice. But that's my fun fact. So I can't lie. Like, yeah, what I was waiting for in that story was, and th yeah, and then he found out that he owed $54,000. Like, this book was checked out like 25 years before the Great Depression. <laughs> And it was still two dollars. <laughs> what what Come a on. deal! <laughs> oh, score! <laughs> if you're if you happen to live in Massachusetts or are visiting, make sure to check out the uh, the new Bedford local library up there. Because man, if you're just visiting, just check out a book and you're good. You know, <laughs> that's it. No problem at all. I um, there was an episode. It, it, start out since again. Family Guy put out a new episode fairly recently. One of their, I can't remember if it was this season, last season, whatever. But the premise was like they go to like the last blockbuster that's still like standing or whatever, and they find out that like. Peter never turned in like whatever his last movie rented out was or whatever. And now he has like all this, like this backlog, like late fees and all that. Anyway, that's how I was expecting this story to end, but nope, $2, whatever. Wow. What a, what a deal. And take that and buy a cheeseburger at Burger King or something. Um, yeah. Wild <laughs> for sure. And that, just about wraps up the show. But before we officially end, I think Mike has something to say. To quote Bo Burnham, I got lots of shit to say. Oh boy. So, real quick, if you have lasted this entire episode, then you're in for a treat. This is this is why you listen till the end, folks. Because sometimes we throw in these, these curveballs at the end that you're going to want to hear. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm glad that like that's the way you put it, and not like. Do you remember Goosebumps, the uh, scary books series for kids or whatever? I do. 
uh, I remember their tagline was like, reader, beware, you're in for a scare. So I'm glad it wasn't like more that way. Like, if you've made it this far, it's too late. <laughs> like, yeah, if you're listening to this, it's too late. Um, what does he say in uh, in the Shawshank Redemption at the end? Like, if you've made it this far, maybe you're willing to go a little farther or something like that? Okay. Sure. If you've listened this much, you maybe you'll be willing to listen some more. Okay. So, if y'all haven't been living under a rock, uh, then I'm sure you've seen the Dwight Howard stuff, right? Uh, where he was where he's like trying to inflate his own legacy at the expense of Nikola Jokic's. Um, and he's been coming out like past week or two and saying like, yeah, in my, like you take prime me, like I'm top 10 all time. I'm better than Jokic, you know, all this. Um, and I'm seeing a bunch of like disrespect on both ends. First of all, that's disrespectful to Jokic, especially coming off his championship season where like, the two seasons prior, he had won MVP in each of them. Like, this is not the time. Uh, so that's disrespectful. But then I've been seeing a lot of, like, disrespect on Dwight Howard. And my theory for this is that, like, a lot of the people that are disrespecting him are too young to remember Orlando Dwight Howard, they, who was a menace. Maybe they just remember um, Atlanta Dwight Howard, who was a non-factor. Yeah. Yeah, or like the most recent iteration of the Lakers, Dwight Howard, who was coming off the bench. But listeners, regular listeners of the podcast will know I like Dwight Howard well enough. You know, um, you asked me a couple episodes ago if there were veteran guys that I think could still contribute that weren't on rosters, and Dwight Howard was the one that came to mind. So for my like mic drop, I'm here to say that Dwight Howard is half right. He's wrong in that he's not better than Jokic. And I don't even just mean now. I mean prime Dwight Howard. I do not take over Jokic. Um, However, prime Dwight Howard is a top 10 center all time. The issue for him is that so is Jokic already. And I'm not just saying that. I did go ahead and list out my top 10 centers. Uh, to kind of expand from when we did it as a top five um just to make sure i wasn't like just throwing that out there or whatever and yeah dwight howard does come in right at 10 for me Jokic is sitting there up around seven or eight so all that to say like dwight howard the legacy is there and i respect it and i wish others did too because prime dwight howard orlando dwight howard we talk about players dragging their teams kicking and screaming to moderate success a lot on this podcast but dwight howard bringing the magic to the finals uh in 2008 or 2009 rather yeah that's like quintessential that um dwight howard in his prime is a top 10 center in nba history one of the best room protectors the game has ever seen but he's not the cerebral basketball savant that is Nikola Jokic. So wanted to drop the mic there. Also, mic drop part two. I didn't know where else to put this. I'm engaged. Hey. <laughs> so um, I remember back in ye olden day of the Mike and Dave podcast, like a year and change ago, uh, where you got to make this announcement, Dave. But 
you had the uh, the convenience of being able to just make it your fun fact. And I don't have a Mike's fun fact. So here we are. <laughs> I'm engaged to my fiance. Hey. Uh, hey. And I'm dropping the mic, question mark. So there it is. You're dropping the mic. She's dropping her last name. A. That's how we do it. So, so yeah, that happened a week and a half ago at the time that we're recording this. Um, and yeah, it was really cool. Um, Dave got to be there for that. Um, got to play a, a crucial part, actually multiple crucial parts of the process, um, helping hide the ring and record the whole thing rhyme in accidentally so appreciate you for that i'm clutch and yeah and um it was it was an outdoor proposal in georgia in july so needless to say it was hot as shit (laughs) but um yeah she said yes so that's the that's the happy ending for sure yep i to be honest, looking back on it, it probably would have been a solid move for me to use my fun fact to say that. But, um, you know, I'm glad the way it worked out. I, I'm glad that you were able to use it on, on your, your segment. So, um, but yeah, congrats to you, my friend. And also, don't worry, just because we are both going to be married men does not mean that we will not have time for this podcast. So if just in case you were worried, oh crap, life changes. Oh no, what's going to happen? Uh, because obviously you were so worried and so concerned. Um, <laughs> we will still be putting out this podcast. So don't you worry. Um, but yeah, definitely looking forward to it. And um, and yeah, congratulations to Mike and Leah again. I can say the first thing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. So that was all confirmation that... She does, in fact, like me. Uh, if it wasn't all a ruse. It wasn't all a ruse. She didn't. Everything I know was not a lie. So she does like me. Um, if you're listening and you like me or us, leave that leave that like on the uh, on the podcast. Leave us that five star review. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Give us that five star rating. If share it with your friends, spread the word. Yeah. Yada yada yada. And if you don't, that basically just means that you're not happy for Mike. So basically, that leaves you no other option than if you have not already to do those things that Mike just listed out. <laughs> so that don't be a hater. Yeah, that's where we're at exactly. But yeah, I think that just about covers it. Um, we thank you all for listening very much. We appreciate it, and I think that just about does it for this episode. As always, this has been Mike. This has been Dave, and you've been listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. Alexander on the beat.